Section 67 of Italy, France, Spain, and Portugal. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Colleen McMahon. The World's Story, Volume 5, Italy, France, Spain, and Portugal. Edited by Eva March Tappan. Section 67. The Fall of the Bastille, 1789, by Alexandre Dumas. In 1789, the king, alarmed by the demands for reform, dismissed Necker, the popular minister of finance, and called together a large body of troops in a belated attempt to stem the tide of republicanism. Instantly, Paris was in a mad excitement. The state prison, the Bastille, rose before them, grim and threatening. With its guns, so reports said, trained upon the city the bastille stood for the despotism that was crushing them and they sprang upon it with the fury of enraged beasts the following extract from the ange pitou of alexandre dumas pictures though with the license of the novelist the closing scene in the capture of the bastille by the frantic mob of paris the editor at length the fruitful imagination of the farmer gave birth to another idea he ran toward the square, crying, A cart! Bring a cart here! Pitou considered that that which was good would be rendered excellent by being doubled. He followed below, vociferating, Two carts! Two carts! And immediately ten carts were brought. Some straw and some dry hay! cried below. Some straw and some dry hay! reiterated Pitou. And almost instantly two hundred men came forward, each carrying a truss of straw or hay they were obliged to call out that they had ten times more than they wanted in an hour there was a heap of forage which would have equalled the height of the bastille below placed himself between the shafts of a cart loaded with straw and instead of dragging it he pushed it on before him pitou did the same without knowing what it could be for but thinking that he could not do better than to imitate the farmer ali and houlin divined below's intention they each seized a cart and pushed it before them into the courtyard. They had scarcely entered when they were assailed by a discharge of grape-shot. They heard the balls strike with a whizzing sound among the straw or hay, or against the woodwork of the carts, but none of the assailants received a wound. As soon as this discharge was over, two or three hundred men with muskets rushed on behind those who were pushing forward the carts and sheltered by those moving ramparts they lodged themselves beneath the apron of the bridge itself there below drew from his pocket a flint a steel and some tinder formed a match by rubbing gunpowder on paper and set fire to it the powder ignited the paper and the paper ignited the straw and hay each formed a torch for himself and the four carts were simultaneously set fire to the flames reached the apron caught the timbers with their sharp teeth and ran along the woodwork of the bridge a shout of joy then uttered from the courtyard was taken up by the crowd in the square saint antoine and reiterated with deafening clamours they saw the smoke rising above the walls and they hence imagined that something fatal to the besieged was occurring in fact the red-hot chains detached themselves from the beams the bridge fell, half broken and half destroyed by fire, smoking and crackling. The firemen rushed forward with their engines and soon extinguished the flames upon the bridge. The governor ordered the Invalides to fire upon the people, but they refused. 
The Swiss alone obeyed, but they were not artillerymen. They were therefore obliged to abandon the guns. The French guards, on the contrary, seeing that the artillery was silenced, brought up their gun and planted it before the gate. Their third shot shivered it to pieces. The governor had gone up to the platform of the castle to see whether the promised reinforcement was approaching, when he found himself suddenly enveloped in smoke. It was then that he precipitately descended and ordered the artillerymen to fire. The refusal of the invalides exasperated him. The breaking down of the gate made him at once comprehend that all was lost. Monsieur de Launay knew that he was hated. He felt that there was no salvation for him. During the whole time that the combat had lasted, he had matured the idea of burying himself beneath the ruins of the Bastille. At the moment he felt assured that all further defense was hopeless, he snatched a match from the hand of one of the artillerymen and sprang towards the cellar which served as a powder magazine. The powder! The powder! cried twenty terrified voices. The powder! The powder! They saw the burning match in the governor's hand. They guessed his purpose. Two soldiers rushed forward and crossed their bayonets before his breast just at the moment when he had opened the door. You may kill me, said Delaunay, but you cannot kill me quick enough to prevent me letting this match fall among the powder casks, and then besieged and besiegers will all be blown to atoms. The two soldiers stopped. Their bayonets remained crossed before Delaunay's breast, but Delaunay was still their commander, for all felt that he had their lives in his power. His action had nailed every one to the spot on which he stood. The assailants perceived that something extraordinary was happening. They looked anxiously into the courtyard and saw the governor threatened and threatening in his turn. "'Hear me,' cried Delaunay to the besiegers, "'as surely as I hold this match in my hand, with which I could exterminate you all,' Should any one of you make a single step to enter this courtyard, so surely will I set fire to the powder. Those who heard these words imagined that they already felt the ground tremble beneath their feet. What do you wish? What do you ask? cried several voices with an accent of terror. I wish a capitulation, replied Delaunay, an honorable capitulation. The assailants pay but little attention to what the governor said. They cannot credit such an act of despair. They wish to enter the courtyard. Below is at their head. Suddenly, below trembles and turns pale. He just remembers Dr. Gilbert. As long as below had thought only of himself, it was a matter of little importance to him whether the Bastille was blown up and he blown up with it. But Gilbert's life must be saved at any cost. Stop! exclaimed below, throwing himself before Elie and Hulin. Stop! In the name of the prisoners! And these men, who feared not to encounter death themselves, retreated, pale and trembling in their turn. What do you demand, they cried, renewing the question previously put to the governor by his own men. I demand that you should all withdraw, replied Delaunay fiercely. I will not accept any proposal, so long as there remains a single stranger in the Bastille. But, said Bilot, will you not take advantage of our absence to place yourself again in a state of defense? If the capitulation is refused, you shall find everything in the state it now is. You at the gate, I where I am now standing. You pledge your word for that? On the honor of a gentleman. Some of them shook their heads. On the honor of a gentleman, reiterated de Launay. Is there any one here who can still doubt when a gentleman has pledged his honor? No, 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 repeated five hundred voices. Let paper, pen, and ink be brought here to me. The orders of the governor were instantly obeyed. Tis well, said de Launay. 
then turning towards the assailants and now you must retire below hulen and elie set the example and were the first to withdraw all the others followed them delaunay placed the match by his side and began writing the capitulation on his knee the invalides and the swiss soldiers who felt that their existence depended on the result gazed at him while he was writing with a sort of respectful terror delaunay looked round before allowing his pen to touch the paper he saw that the courtyard was free of all intruders in an instant people outside were informed of all that had happened within the fortress as monsieur de lhomme had said the population seemed to spring up from beneath the pavement one hundred thousand men surrounded the bastille they were no longer merely laborers and artisans but citizens of every class had joined them they were not merely men in the prime of life but children and old men had rushed forward to the fight and all of them had arms of some description all of them shouted vehemently here and there among the groups was to be seen a woman in despair with hair dishevelled wringing her hands and uttering maledictions against the granite giant she is some mother whose son the bastille has just annihilated some daughter whose father the bastille has just levelled with the ground some wife whose husband the bastille has just exterminated but during some moments no sounds had issued from the bastille no flames no smoke the bastille had become as silent as the tomb it would have been useless to endeavour to count the spots made by the balls which had marbled its surface every one had wished to fire a ball at the stone monster the visible symbol of tyranny therefore when it was rumoured in the crowd that the bastille was about to capitulate that its governor had promised to surrender they could scarcely credit the report amid this general doubt as they did not yet dare to congratulate themselves as they were silently awaiting the result they saw a letter pushed forth through a loophole on the point of a sword only between this letter and the besiegers there was the ditch of the bastille wide deep and full of water below calls for a plank three are brought and are pushed across the ditch but being too short did not reach the opposite side below had them lashed together as he best could then ventured unhesitatingly upon the trembling bridge the whole crowd remained breathlessly silent all eyes were fixed upon the man who appears suspended above the ditch whose stagnant waters resemble those of the river cocytus pitou tremblingly seated himself on the edge of the slope and hid his head between his knees his heart failed him and he wept when below had gotten about two-thirds of the way over the plank it twisted beneath his feet below extends his arms falls and disappears in the ditch pitou utters a cry of horror and throws himself into the ditch like a newfoundland dog anxious to save his master a man then approached the plank from which below had just before been precipitated without hesitation he walked across the temporary bridge this man is stanislas maillard the usher of the chatelet when he had reached the spot below which pitou and below were struggling in the muddy ditch he for a moment cast a glance upon them and seeing that there was no doubt they would regain the shore in safety he continued to walk on half a minute afterwards he had reached the opposite side of the ditch and had taken the letter which was held out to him on the point of a sword then with the same tranquillity the same firmness of step he recrossed the ditch but at the moment when the crowd were pressing round him to hear the letter read a storm of musket balls rained down upon them from the battlements and a frightful detonation was heard one only cry but one of those cries which announce the vengeance of a whole people issues from every mouth 
trust then in tyrants exclaimed gonchon and then without thinking any more of the capitulation without thinking any more of the powder magazine without thinking of themselves or of the prisoners without desiring without demanding anything but vengeance the people rushed into the courtyard no longer by hundreds of men but by thousands that which prevented the crowd from entering is no longer the musketry but the gates which are too narrow to admit them on hearing the detonation we have spoken of the two soldiers who were still watching monsieur de launay threw themselves upon him a third seized the match and extinguished it under his foot de launay drew the sword which was concealed in his cane and would have turned it against his own breast but the soldiers plucked it from him and snapped it in two he then felt that all he could do was abide the result he therefore tranquilly awaited it the people rushed forward the garrison opened their arms to them and the bastille is taken end of section sixty seven this recording is in the public domain recording by colleen mcmahon